0: Open your Bibles again to Nehemiah chapter 8. For more than one reason, verse number 10 is a favorite verse of mine. Uh, The uh, text of the message tonight is that phrase at the last of verse number 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. But I like the first part well too. You like that? Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet. Amen. Amen, amen. I've got Bible for dessert right there. Amen. But anyway, I want to preach on the subject. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I cannot read that passage of Scripture without thinking of uh, the passage in Hebrews where the Bible says, in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse number 2, uh, talking of Jesus who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. When you have the joy of the Lord in your heart, you have the strength to accomplish the work of God. I want you to listen as I preach the message tonight. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight. May the word of God come alive in this passage of Scripture in our minds and in our hearts Lord, may you set this truth on fire by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would help us. Lord, uh, give us what we need, correct us where we need correcting. Help us to grow. Help us to hunger for this joy that we may have the strength needed uh, to accomplish Your will in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There are two basic reasons I want this joy uh, because I want this strength. And that is, first of all, I need strength to accomplish the will and work of God in my life. I need strength to accomplish the will and work of God in my life. The book of Nehemiah is a book of work. And they were working to rebuild the walls around the city. Understand, they did not come in and have a clean uh, place to work and order all uh, new materials to build with. Uh, They were rebuilding out of the rubbish, out of the piles of the uh, rocks and the bricks that had been broken down by the enemy. And they faced a great enemy all around them and some even within. And they needed the strength of God as Nehemiah told them The joy of the Lord is your strength. Second of all, I need strength to fight three battles that you and I face every day. I need strength to fight battles against this flesh of mine. This flesh has to be brought under subjection and submission to the word of God every day. Second of all, I need the strength to fight against the devil. And I need that strength to fight against the pressures of the world, those three enemies of the child of God." Now, if the strength I need is found in the joy of the Lord, I want to know from the Bible how to have this joy of the Lord in my life. It is not the power of positive thinking. It's the power of positive faith in the real Word of God. There's a great big difference. I have no intention to stir our emotion tonight but I do desire to stir our attention to have faith in a real bible that when we obey it gives us the joy of the lord that results in strength i read in the word of god not only do i want to have joy jesus wants me to have joy wants you to have joy uh, the Bible says in John chapter 15 verse number 11 these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you now his joy uh, took him to the cross of Calvary through the cross of Calvary But well, if I can have his joy and then uh, the rest of the verse says this and that your joy might be full if I can have his joy and my joy I can have the strength to accomplish the work God has given me to accomplish we need that strength we need that strength in the rearing of our children, we need that strength in our work and providing for our families. We need that strength in having a testimony of, for Christ in the workplace in every place we go and it 's important that we understand where this joy comes from so let 's look at our text, Nehemiah chapter eight, and I want to point out that Ezra is reading the law of God. What does that mean? Ezra is reading Genesis, the book of beginnings. He's reading the book of Exodus, which is the journeys from the land of Egypt through the wilderness and in that he gives them parameters of the Ten Commandments. He gives them the law. The book of Leviticus, he reads that book. It is a book of holiness. Numbers is a book of personal responsibility as he numbered everyone, not for the sake of just knowing the number, but for the sake of understanding everybody has a responsibility in the will and work of God Uh, we're not to be we're not to be uh, just uh, uh, we're to be participators not just observers uh, in the work of God then the book of Deuteronomy is somewhat of a summary and a repeat it is the constitution of the nation of Israel as they go into the land of Canaan he said you do these things and I will bless you if you do these things the curse of sin uh, will be upon you and he says to them choose life and that's what Ezra has been reading. Notice if you will in verse number 5 and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was above notice what the Bible says above all the people and when he opened it all the people stood up and so at the time of the specific reading of the law he's standing up on some type of a platform at some type of a pulpit and because the word of God is to be exalted this pulpit's not here so the speaker can be exalted this is what's supposed to be exalted and uh, that's why he was standing above the people because he held the law and when he read the law uh, the Bible said that the people stood up and then the Bible says in verse number 6 and Ezra blessed the Lord the great God and all the people answered amen amen with lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Then the Bible gives a list of these teachers that taught the law of God. Perhaps they broke up into various classes, maybe in the age groups, I don't know how. But the Bible says the purpose of this was the Levites caused the people to understand the law understand the law. You understand? Are you with me? They understood the law and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book of the law or the book uh, in in the law of God distinctly and gave sense and caused them to understand the reading. I want you to understand that he has been reading the part of the Bible that is the guidelines and guardrails that God has set for mankind. The assembly's first response when they heard the law was conviction and sorrow. Now stay with me because we can't get to joy unless we have conviction and sorrow. Because joy is not in me. In me there is no good thing. Listen to me now. Uh, There is no good thing in me. So the joy and sorrow is not talking about my emotions and my feelings. Uh, The sorrow brings a contrition of who I am but it leads me to the place that God is a forgiver of sin and my joy is in Him and my gladness is in Him. When my joy is in my emotions Sometimes I have enough strength to, uh, uh, to go out in a day and sometimes I don't have enough strength to roll over, roll over in bed and go back to sleep. I don't need the kind of strength that's up and down. I need the strength that's found in the Lord. And so the Bible says they mourned over their sins. By the way, as Paul wrote to the Christians at Rome, he said in Romans chapter 3, verse number 20, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight for by the law is a knowledge of sin. Sin is something that's not recognized today and the reason we work on emotion rather than joy is I can get you to emotion uh but but, uh, without talking about sin but it can't get you to joy without talking about sin because we have to deal with the sin issue and contrition before we can get to the place of repentance and the place of joy now stay with me I'm preaching the Bible to you tonight the law can't save us it can only convince us that we need to be saved it can only point us to Jesus Christ the Savior Galatians chapter 3 verse number 24 now here the Jews have just observed the annual day of atonement. Now, think with me, this group of people they 've returned to Jerusalem they 've been in Babylonian captivity a long time they 're coming back to rebuild the walls and so one of the first things they do uh, they reinstate those memorial days and so they remember the day of atonement. What was the day of atonement it 's the day when the lamb uh, when one goat was killed, and uh, then that uh, blood was placed on the other goat and that that. That goat was set free. It was a day of the forgiveness of sins. And the Lord had dealt with their sin, as recorded in Leviticus chapter 16. So now, after they've dealt with their sin, Nehemiah said, you've dealt with your sin, it's time for the sorrow to end. We're going to move from the day of atonement when our sins are placed on Christ, and we're going to go to the feast of the tabernacle. We're going to go for a time of feasting. It's time to eat the fat and drink the sweet and say, praise God, my sins are forgiven. Praise God, he has forgiven me and set me free. On the Jewish calendar, the Feast of Tabernacle follows the Day of Atonement. It gave the people an entire week of a happy celebration. Now the sequence is important. First conviction, second cleansing, third celebration. I feel sorry for those that can only stir their emotion. Because that won't last when the rain falls on a Monday morning. But I'll tell you what, if you go to the place of conviction, you go through the place of cleansing, it wouldn't matter if the sun shined or if the sun fell in liquid form or in snow form tomorrow, you'd still celebrate because your uh, your life is not uh, driven by your emotion of how you feel. It's not driven by the circumstance, but it's driven by a celebration that came from our sins being forgiven. You see the word of God brings conviction and conviction leads to repentance and repentance also brings joy. That's what we're trying to get to. I need the joy of the Lord. Why? The joy of the Lord is just strength. I need that strength to do the will of God. I need that strength to do the work of God. I need that strength to fight against the world, the flesh and the devil. The same word that wounds us heals us. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Let's look at these three right fast. All right, get your Bibles. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Let's look at these right fast. Just about the middle of your Bible. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, the Bible says this. Jeremiah fifteen, chapter fifteen, verse number sixteen. You see, if we're not careful, we'll get our emotions stirred tonight. And I'm not against your emotion being stirred, but, but they can be unstirred in a quick time. Ah, but if I can get our attention on the word of God, we'll go away and we'll have joy when we're alone, not just when we're with the crowd. Jeremiah 15, 16, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. I want to tell you something. When you get the joy of the Lord in your heart, you're going to have strength to do the will of God because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Then he says this, For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Go to Psalms. Go to Psalm number 19. Psalm number 19 and look at verse number 8. Psalm 19 and verse number 8. Psalm 19, verse number 8. The statutes of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart. There's that joy again. If I can have the joy of the Lord, I can have strength because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, go all the way down to verse 111. Psalm 119, 111, talking about the Word of God, talking about the statutes. Uh, some folks, they, they, they criticize the preaching of the law or the preaching of standards and the preaching of righteousness, the preaching of holiness. Hey, folks, uh, the statutes of the Lord, the righteousness of the Lord, that's what rejoices at the heart. Let's not come to church and have a shallow stirring of our emotions. Let's come to church and point our hearts and our minds toward a God that has forgiven us of our sin and given us an everlasting book that we can put our faith in. I can rejoice in the stability in the foundation of the word of God. Psalm 119, 111, Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. There are scores of verses like this, And all the time we find joy, we find a connection to the word of God. You find the law, which brings conviction. Conviction brings a cleansing. uh, Cleansing takes you to a celebration. And so in this passage of scripture in Nehemiah chapter 8, they've been reading the law and the folks had been hurting because they recognized that their sin was before them. After they recognized that, Nehemiah said, Hey, folks. The day of atonement is past. We've dealt with our sin. It's time to eat the fat and drink the sweet. That verse is not just in there for a smile or for a joke. That's not for that. He said it's time to celebrate our sins are forgiven. It's time to rejoice. We have found our faith in Christ. Now it's interesting to note here that the Levites and Nehemiah encouraged the people to stop mourning and start rejoicing. Don't miss this statement. It is as wrong for a Christian to mourn when God has forgiven us as it is to rejoice when sin has conquered us. It is as wrong for a Christian to mourn when God has forgiven us as it is to rejoice when sin has conquered us. The sinner has no reason for rejoicing. Ah, but the forgiven child of God has no reason for mourning. I say tonight, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, we're not ignoring responsibility. We're not ignoring burden. In fact, all of this began out of a burden. Nehemiah chapter 1, he had family to visit him and friends as he was in Shushan the palace. And he said, how are things going at home? They said, not good at all. The the, the gates are burned with fire and the walls are torn down and the people are reproached. And Nehemiah fell on his face and he began to confess their sin. And he was in mourning, a time of weeping. We come to chapter 8. By the way, you find this cycle over and over and over. And I need this in my life. I need to understand. I need to read the law. What is the law? It's looking in the mirror. That's the mirror of the word of God. I look at the plumb line. And where things are crooked, they need to be made straight. So there's a confession. Then there's a a cleansing. And then comes the celebration. The secret of Christian joy is to believe what God has said in his word and act on it. Faith that isn't based in the word of God is not faith at all. It's presumption and superstition. Joy that is not the result of faith is not joy at all. It is simply a good feeling, a feeling that will dissipate. But faith based on the word of God. I said faith based on the word of God. Faith based on the promises of God. Faith based on the promises of God to me will produce joy and that joy of the Lord is our strength. Here's what the psalmist said, Psalm 119, 162. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. There was a time, and I read recently, the stories of how the Middle Eastern countries would hide their wealth in the day before banks uh, some folks may do it today they 'd put their wealth in a, a container of some kind, a skin bottle, typically, or uh, they would find a container and they would bury it in their fields, uh, so it couldn 't be found and When uh, thieves would come, uh, it wouldn 't be found in their house and they, they would they would hide their wealth in a bottle, usually that was a skin bottle. And you'll read about it in the Bible, Matthew chapter thirteen, forty-four. The Bible says again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field. The which, when a man hath found he hideth and for joy thereof go and selleth all that he hath and buyeth the field. Why is he buy the field? Because there's treasure that's been buried in that field in generations past. It's been forgotten and he's found it. Jeremiah chapter 41. Now I'm coming back to the statement I made. I rejoice at thy word is one that findeth great spoil. That's what I'm illustrating. You know why some Christians never rejoice? They haven't found any spoil. You know why they haven't found any spoil? They haven't looked. Because when you go plowing in this field, you're going to find some things that will stir your soul. It'll be deeper than emotion. It'll be deeper than, a, uh, uh, than a, a few minutes stir. And I'm thankful for all of the emotions and the gladness that we have. Oh, but when I found a truth and I find a truth that can anchor my soul in the time of sorrow, that can anchor my soul in the time of death, that can anchor my soul in the time of, of, of those that would attack the truth, when I find a truth that will anchor my soul, I'm like one who's found a treasure in the field. Hallelujah. There's a great joy in my soul heart, And when there's joy in my heart, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Jeremiah said this, Jeremiah 41, 8, But ten men were found among them that said unto Ishmael, I have time to read all the stories, so I'm reading just this one verse. Ishmael was going to kill these ten men, I'll not go into the story, but they said, Slay us not. Ten men said to Ishmael, Slay us not, for we have treasures in the field. But treasures in the field of wheat and of barley and of oil and of honey, so he forbear and slew them not among their brethren. You know why? Ishmael wanted to know where that wealth was. You know why we come to church? I'm, I, I enjoy the fellowship. I'm glad to see you. I enjoy the singing. I enjoy the singing. I really do. I enjoy singing. I could sing for an hour every service and, and, and sing with you. And I'm thankful for all that. We came looking for a treasure in the field. That's why we're here. We, find, we come to find an anchor for the soul. We, can, we came to find some things that will help us to the valley, that will give us strength because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I need strength to do the will of God. I need strength to do the work of God. I need strength to overcome this old sorry flesh. I need strength to overcome of the temptation temptations of the world. I need strength to overcome the attacks of Satan and the joy of the Lord is your strength. If a farmer plowing his field suddenly discovered a jar filled with gold, he would certainly rejoice. There are great treasures buried in the word of God. We need to find those and live our lives. That's why Jeremiah said we've dealt with our sin at the day of atonement. We're coming now to the week of the feast of the tabernacle. When you deal with your sin and you're right with God, you can enjoy the blessings of God and the joy of the Lord is your strength. Why they need it? Because they needed to finish rebuilding those walls around the city. Turn your Bibles to Psalm number one. Psalm number one. My voice has about eight minutes left. Psalm number one. Psalm number one. Blessed is connected to happiness and joy. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight's in the Bible. His delight's in the Scripture. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. What's he doing? He's looking for treasure in the field. He's looking for the gold that's there. He's looking for an anchor for the soul. For when he finds that treasure in the field with great joy, he sells all that he has and he buys the field because of the joy that's there. And the Bible says this, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now a tree planted by the rivers of water, its roots are going to be well watered and well satisfied. So one that meditates in the word of God, the one that delights in the scripture, he shall be like a tree. That's strength. That's a picture of strength. The joy of the Lord is his strength. Where the joy come from? It comes from the word of God. It comes from the truth of the word of God. What does the joy of the Lord produce? Strength. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Look at this. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. I don't want to be like the chaff. I I don't, I don't want to just lay as a piece of chaff waiting for the wind to blow me from one place to another. I don't want to be like that. I want to be like the tree that's strong. I want to be like the tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff. Uh, The Bible says, and then he said in verse number five, therefore the ungodly shall not stand. They won't be like the tree. They won't stand in judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, in Luke chapter 15, I don't have time to preach all of this, but in Luke chapter 15, there are three things that are lost that Jesus talks about. He gives three parables. you remember what those are? Think about it. What are they? What are the three things that are lost? Think about it. I'm asking you. Don't answer me out loud, but answer in your mind. What are they? There's a sheep, one out of a hundred. There's a coin, one out of ten. There is a son, one One out of two. One out of two. Let me, I have to show you one thing. Luke chapter 15. We won't read all the chapter, but you have to see the context for it to have its proper value. Now we're talking about whether I find joy. Now I've learned that I found joy. I found joy in the truths of the word of God. And I found that that joy of the Lord is strength. And that joy of the Lord for strength helps me to do the will and work of God. I need the joy of the Lord for the work and the schedule I have ahead of me this week. I don't dread it. I look forward to it. There's a lot of things on that list. And I want to do the will of God. And I must have His strength. And to have His strength, I have to have His joy. To have joy, I have to be anchored to the Word of God. Now notice what he says in Luke 15.1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Publicans and sinners for to hear him. They were interested in what he had to say. And the Pharisees and scribes did what Pharisees and scribes do. They murmured. Don't be a murmurer. Folks will think you're a Pharisee. And all God's children said amen. amen. Don't be a murmurer. Folks will think you're a Pharisee. Saying, this man receiveth sinners... Oh, my, and eateth with sinners, eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them. So he's talking to these Pharisees. Now, I, w- I want to put these things together. By the way, I read a story when D.L. Moody was directing his Sunday school in Chicago. One little boy, he walked a couple of miles to attend D.L. Moody's Sunday school. And, and they stopped him one day. They said, you walk to D.L. Moody's Sunday school every Sunday, and you pass up other churches why do you walk over two miles to D.L. Moody's Sunday School instead of going to one of, these, uh, one of these churches? And he said, and I quote, because they love a feller over there. They love a feller over there. He said, I go to D.L. Moody's because I'm loved there. And that's what Jesus is saying here. I love sinners. Now now he said, let me tell you Pharisees something, those of you that are murmuring and complaining. He said, "I, I I want you to understand something. There is a sheep that's lost and the shepherd seeks until he finds it. Now this is not a lost person. This is a sheep that's out of the fold of God and the shepherd seeks until he finds it. He gets it back into the fold. He is restored back to the fellowship and so we find he is secure in Christ. You remember what he does with the lamb? He doesn't scold the lamb say, what in the world are you doing out here? Uh, You ignorant thing and you knew better than that. Isn't it something how dumb we are sometimes? A, a, a lamb can have a field to graze in, but if there's one little hole in the fence or in the shrubs, rather than that sheep, rather than. Be careful about saying amen because we're condemning us. Rather than us enjoying the blessings of God, how foolish of us to go through that little part of the fence to see what's on the outside. Shepherd doesn't want us out there because the wolves are out there. That's what's out there. In the insides of green pastures, the shepherd leads us beside the still waters and the green pastures and us foolish little sheep sometimes. We see a little hole in the fence. We see a little hole in the, in the shrubs and we want to go see what's on the outside. Now the shepherd knew that the wolves are out there. The shepherd knew that danger was out there. So he went until he found it and he picked the lamb up and he put it on his shoulders and he brought it back. Now write down the word secure. I'm secure in him. Now, I'll tell you why I write that down because when I realize how secure I am, you know what it gives me? Joy. You know what joy gives me? Strength. You know what strength lets me do? The will of God. You know what strength lets me do? Overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. How do I get it? By finding truths in the word of God. I am secure in him. The shepherd put the sheep on his shoulder. Then we find the story of one of ten Coins is missing, and uh, it was valuable to him. it was valuable to him and the coin was par- probably a part of a row of coins that formed a headpiece signifying that a woman was married it'd sort of be like a uh, sort of be like a ring and losing a stone out of that ring. Uh, she had a headband that had Ten coins or ten jewels in it, and you, you ladies, know what it is. If you have something, a piece of jewelry supposed to have five pieces in it, one of them's missing. You don't want to wear that. And so she swept the house. I think her husband took it out and hid it is What I think he did. And uh, anyway, uh, you got to have conviction and then cleansing, and then uh, let me back to the sermon here. And, and, and so she looked till she found it. Now here's what he's teaching me. Every coin's valuable. She didn't say I have nine. Forget the other one. Every coin's valuable. When I realize I'm valuable to God, you know what that does for me? It gives me joy. You know what joy does? The joy of the Lord gives me strength. You know what the strength of God does? It helps me to do the will and work of God. It helps me to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's another one, and that is the father. He had two sons, and one was a prodigal son. He went away. Oh, how he hurt for that boy. How he watched for that boy. How he prepared for the day that the boy would come home. When the boy came home, he didn't say, let's fatten a calf, and in six months we'll have a party. He said, kill the fatted calf. I've been waiting for this boy to, come home you know what it says it says the father wants fellowship restored now when I find another jewel here when I find another truth and I realize that God wants to fellowship with me do you know God wants to fellowship with you in the morning evening morning at noon the psalmist said he spent time with God God wants to hear from you in the morning I don't know about you but that just sort of makes me feel special to know God wants to meet with me and you know what Knowing God wanting to fellowship with me, you know what that gives me? You guessed it, joy. And you know what the joy of the Lord does? The joy of the Lord gives me strength. And you know what the strength gives me, allows me to do that comes from the joy of the Lord, that comes from the great treasure in the word of God? I'll tell you what it does. It lets me do the will and work of God and fight the world, flesh, and the devil and live in victory. I'm glad tonight. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Stand with me if you will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.